It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast, the nature and countryside podcast from BBC Country Farm magazine. And a warm welcome to season 10, where we explore history and mystery in the British landscape. So that means walking in ancient lands, unearthing forgotten myths and legends, and even stumbling across a few tales of the supernatural. And as ever, we'll be enjoying encounters with wildlife along the way. My name is Fergus Collins, and I'm the host of the podcast. And with me is my dog Idris, who's currently nosing around the gravestones here. Because I'm currently sitting in the churchyard of St Peter's in Llamanarth in Monmouthshire, and the dog and I are enjoying a few minutes' quiet contemplation. I've been coming here a bit more often, especially since I met up with an old friend to talk about the stories and hidden histories you can uncover in graveyards like this. Sarah Williams is editor of Who Do You Think You Are magazine, and recently she took me to a stunning little church on the River Severn in Gloucestershire for a morning of detective work among the tombstones, revealing some of the hidden tales of the people who lie buried there. So sit back and enjoy a little bit of countryside detective work in episode 11 of our Histories and Mysteries season. Oh, and please do leave likes and reviews on whatever podcast provider you use. It's a really big help to us. I'm standing on a small hill, looking out west over the River Severn. It's a sunny day, a little bit breezy, but one of the kind of last tendrils of summer, feeling its way into autumn. And on this hill is a church and a churchyard, most spectacular setting with a view out across the River Severn. Big and brown, this huge river at this stage, probably a mile across. And on the far banks of the river rise the, the wooded hills of the Forest of Dean. And in the foreground, between where I am and the river, it's just a patchwork of ancient fields, really, little hamlets. But the most impressive thing is this church, it's sitting almost like a little castle on its own mot, surrounded by a churchyard full of crosses and headstones, which many are leaning over with age. I'm just walking past a big square tomb. There are arched tombs, oval tombs, double tombs, some which look like they're made of posh marble, covered in lichens, ivy. This is a mysterious place. There are stories here, not just the church, but everywhere in this churchyard. But I don't know these stories, so I'm waiting for an old friend of mine who does know some of the secrets of this place. Are we lucky? We've lucked out here. Beautiful sunshine, clear views. This is amazing. The weather forecast was terrible. (laughs) We thought we'd plough on anyway. Well, where have you brought me? This is just incredible. This is so. This is Saint Arildus Church. Saint Arildus Church near Old Brion Seven in Old Brion Seven. 
and it has the most fantastic views. It's up on a hill and it's just amazing, isn't it? Lovely, beautiful incredible. little church. Incredible. I, I didn't know this existed. Unseasonal chiff chaff. So we are the around about the 20th of mid, we're mid-September, mid to late September, and there's a chiff chaff calling on its way, presumably on its way out back to Africa. Well, Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Um, tell us a bit about yourself, because if anyone has credentials for exploring graveyards, <laughs> it's you. Um, oh, yes, I, I love I, to I, hang around in graveyards, for I, sure. I, I don't mean, <laughs> I've brought my garlic with me. Um, so you are editor of Who Do You Think You Are magazine. That's what right. What does that entail? So, basically, um, we're there for people who want to explore their family history. Um, whether or not you've been inspired by the TV series, it's really there to show people what records there are out there and, you know, how to understand those records. Because it's not just nowadays, you know, people think, oh, genealogy, that's just a, some tree going back centuries with just birth, marriage, death, so-and-so begat so-and-so. And, um the, the richness of material that is now being digitised can be looked up online and, and our sort of easy access to discovering about social history and how people lived, you know, it's much easier to actually build what we would now call a family history, you know, all those stories that you can discover. You know, it's not just dry documents, it's, it's really sort of stepping in the path of your ancestors. Wow. And for many people, that's a big... Well, hobby more than a hobby. It's a sort well, it of, is a life, hobby. Life I mean, but it it yeah. is really it's fulfilling in a very sort of deep way. I mean, for some people, you know, it can really help heal actually family rifts or 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 a lack of you know a sense of who they are. If it really is the who do you think you are? That can really give people a sense a grounded sense of belonging, and I think that's one of the really rich things that family that history is can do. really interesting, because I've always assumed people searching deeply into family history are hoping to find some sort of nobility or some yes, sort of... Yes, uh, I mean, that's fun, but do you know yeah. what? Um, a lot of our... And, and anyone who's, um, you know, watched the, the TV series, some of the richest stories come from the more tragic ones. So, so yes, uh, you well, know, the, hum- my, the humbler, the humbler and, uh, and unfortunately, people from a humbler background are often most recorded when something goes wrong so uh, you know there's workhouse records prison records um, all sorts of stuff like that Um, but you know there's it's still lives they're all still lives worth living and exploring fantastic well um, and one way then of you talked about lots of documents uh, you can go to archives and all sorts of things around the country and, and your magazine is a fantastic portal if you're interested in that but we're here looking at a sort of more physical document the gravestone <laughs> yes um, yes uh, well I, I, again going back to the tv series anyone who's who's watched it will see how many times they bring the celebrity to a gravestone usually at the end of the episode where the the, the celebrity has really got to understand that person and seeing that l- final place of rest can be really moving i mean it, it can really be the cherry on the top of the cake yeah yeah good tv as well <laughs> and it's good it's good tv but yeah. I, I mean i would say grave i, I love graveyards and mm. they don't have to have my ancestors in them i love them anyway and i mean i've we've pulled you up here I've, well, I've I, just, have, I, just, I have grave expectations <laughs> oh I dear so, but you know anyone you, you know a lot of your listeners they'll be walkers and uh, yes. loads of walks take in a graveyard they or they take in or you pass by a church 
I would always say, step inside, have a look at what's there because, I don't know, I think it, it connects you physically to that geography, to where you are. To the locality. Yeah, yeah it okay. does. I think that's... And we should reassure people that you can... You are allowed to step into... Unless there's a huge <laughs> sign saying, keep out. <laughs> you are allowed to come into a church, church shelter. I mean, this one does say no dogs, but um, it, this is part of everyone's heritage that we have this connection, as you say. So, yeah, come yes. in and have a look. Yes, absolutely. So th- this and, is a, uh, yeah. I've, yes, I've pulled you up here. I, I, I only want to show you, obviously, a lot of... Um, graves stones have some quite obvious imagery like you get cherubs with wings showing you sometimes that's children sometimes they just like cherub winged cherubs to sort of show your sort of ascent up to heaven um, and you'll get things like hourglasses you know suggesting that time is short oh, right, yeah. <laughs> make the most of it yeah. um, and trumpets you get just uh, sort of announcing that the that, that, that all these bodies will rise they're again. on their way yeah. <laughs> they will rise again when the yeah. when the um, you know the trumpet sounds but here I rather like this one so um, this one's tilting over quite quite considerably it's really tilting over and sadly has suffered a lot of damage from ivy that's pulling away it's very hard to read so the words at the bottom almost totally illegible but we can look at the image it's beautifully carved and there's a snail which yeah, <laughs> is rather, spiders all over is rather enjoying the image here so we've uh, we've got a woman praying she has risen out of her grave um safe to assume that is her sort of tomb and she's she has risen mm. up and on one side it's like celestial light there's celestial down. light yeah, yeah, that's right calling her heavenly yeah. and we can see we can't really read all the words but we can certainly see that there's a few people mentioned and you will obviously find that in a lot of these stones they were used uh, a whole family plot and that people would be added uh, and extra names carved on but um this one has got um on the left there's a weeping willow i mean it just looks like a tree but it was normally a weeping willow you yeah, can imagine yeah. the sort of tragic feel that a weeping willow has so if you see a tree that's usually what it's supposed to be um and it's got a branch has broken off that's very not damaged yeah no, it's not damaged from the been, ivy um, been cu- it's been cut a, off yeah, very sad and looking branch actually. it is it's a very cast it is oh, it yeah. is weeping definitely yeah. weeping so that's been cut off, and, and that, that will be uh, saying that someone died young, you know, before their time. And you'll see that symbolism um, right. with all sorts of things. You have a pillar that's cut, or uh, a, an arrow sometimes that's broken, things that are cut or broken. That is someone ending... Before their prime. Before yeah. their prime. So that will, oh, you sad. know, we've lost those words, really, yeah, but yeah. we can see in the imagery. And then on the right, you've got these lovely three wheat sheaves proudly standing up (laughs) yes yes they're not weeping at all uh and again you know we've lost a lot of the words you can't see them very clearly but wheat uh sheaves of wheat very symbolic of a of a rich life well lived that has reached sort of harvest time so um you know that's kind of the opposite so i would assume that i can't read it that there'll be three people in this family who reached a good ripe old age you know something like 60 or <laughs> so, so we've got three people who made it and one yeah poor and one and one p- poor person who oh. who didn't make it well that's lesson one in reading grave states um <laughs> there are loads of graves here i mean we've got in front absolutely. of us absolutely lots of those single sort of 
I mean, there are so many different shapes of arches and squares, but and lots of these vaults. are grave slabs, and then these vaults, these yes. big square ones. Yes, which, yes, uh, you know, so the good, the worthies, the rich and worthies in the area, you so, know, you want to have something. So these are expensive pieces of absolutely. grave kit, as Status it symbols. Yeah. And you'd have different them. panels, you know, to, to remember different members of the family. Yeah, this one's just 15 years old when this, this person died. Yeah. Uh, Oliver, the death of... You'll see a lot of that. Yeah. And interesting to say, of this tithing, so mm. that's going back to that whole idea of a parish being funded by the tithe, that sort of 10% that, that farmers and everyone had to give, really, towards to the upkeep the, of the, to the parish. To the church, wow. Yeah. I mean, let's, I mean, we've just talked about the church. We know we're going to look at some more graveyards. Oh, yes. We're right beside the church. We are. St. Eraldus. Yes, yeah. indeed. What can you tell us about <laughs> this? I mean, it's got, a, it's got a tower. It's got various sort of naves and apses and things. It's, yeah, it's and obviously, and, Sa- and Saxon origins. I mean, this wonderful location, I suspect, pre-Saxon origins. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm this, sure it will. Is this know. a natural hill? Here? Yes. Not, yeah, so it's not a kind of. No. Not built speci- not no, dug up specially. No, no. Okay. And um, it it's is a knoll. Really. A knoll <laughs> yeah. with a view. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so it's dedicated to a Saxon saint, Saint Eralda, uh, and there's there's only two churches in her name, and the other one's just a few miles away. So very much of this area a and local saint for local a lo- people. indeed a local saint for local people and in fact her her body was uh, removed we're not quite sure from where and taken to uh, once she was performed once miracles were being performed in her name uh, she her body was moved to Gloucester Cathedral so that they could get the you know the monks there the abbey there could could get some of that uh, you know Revenue. Revenue <laughs> from the saint seekers that so there used here. to be. Uh, so uh, she's not here, but... There's uh, a sign on the door that says, back in five. Um, <laughs> but she's, um, so she, she was a local lady, a local virgin who said no and was suitably beheaded for her intransigence. Really? <laughs> yeah. And that was in Saxon times? Well, then. yes. There's no other... There's very little evidence oh. of her. Right. Um, but of, until, I think the miracles started to to come in in the sort of 14th century right. so, when yeah, the cash six, started to come in yeah. from the pilgrims. We need a few quid. <laughs> I mean, let's but, not be cynical about that. <laughs> no, but she, she was uh, some uh, Saxon lady. Sure. and But they're very proud of her here. And actually, her Saints' Day in June, they come and um, they actually count fireflies in the ground. So they get fireflies in this area. Oh, really? Well, I... I'm just looking around. This there was a sign at the entry to the churchyard saying, "No cut, or they don't cut the grass here." And it's really wild. The some some graveyards that I've been to locally, where, where I live in, in South Wales, so mown to, to the finest degree every kind of week. But this is wild. I mean, you can feel it when you're treading around. It's sort of uneven. Under- yeah, yeah. Careful with your walking. And the insect life. There's a grasshopper on this. Well, that's not oh, a grasshopper, yes. that's a fly. Uh, but there was a grasshopper there. There was a hornet buzzing around down here. And when we looked at that gravestone, there were uh, five species of spider, three species of snake. I mean, what I'm saying is, <laughs> it's like a little safari. And you, you come in spring, and the wild f- flowers here, I've come in here in mm. spring, and the wildflowers are amazing. It's absolutely carpet of, of all sorts of, of wildflowers. So definitely it's a real gem. This worth is absolutely exploring. Well, thank you for showing me. I mean, there's lots more. So, so this isn't 
an original Saxon church, is it? No, it's not. And there's a bit of a sad story. There are bits, uh, so this tower's old, but you can see bits of, you know, what looks newer, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And what, what happened was they decided to uh, restore the church um, in the sort of, uh, in the 19th century. And uh, just sort of mid-restoration, or just as they finished, something caught fire. They don't really know what happened, but the whole church by the time the villagers realized and i mean this is one of the things it's not a church set right in the heart of a village this no. there is it, it, it the village is down the bottom of the hill that's this albury is, isn't it albury, albury on seven yeah. uh which is great and we can chat about that because that's has its own little harbor but this is up on a hill and so by the time they saw the smoke uh, it was too late and so um a lot of it had to be rebuilt but it, it still looks like your quintessential English parish church. It really does. It's got a square tower. It's got a sort of pinkish stone, which is quite interesting. Um, and you, I mean, you can see those gargoyles are obviously old. All of this tower yeah. is the original. So would it? So the original Saxon church would have been rebuilt in medieval times. Yes, and this is absolutely. Really, this is more like how the this medieval church. This is medieval church. church, yeah. Right, okay. Wow. Um, just going under some a holly incredibly laden with berries <laughs> and um and now we're getting more of the view so we're walking around to the well the entrance to the church but you can see out across the estuary these little farms below us and then the old seven bridge it's a rather fantastic um secret spot this and you look the other way and you've got an old um nuclear power plant oh that's nice <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a beauty. <laughs> but, you know, what I love about this, and there's a lovely walk that, that you can come down through here, down to the estuary and round. Mm. This is a walk I do when I need open vistas. Sometimes, yeah. you know, sometimes you want a woodland walk. Sometimes, you know, you can have all these different kinds of walks. But when I want open space and an mm. open view, I come here. This is where really you very peaceful and... I mean, I know that we're sort of sandwiched between the river and the motorway, but it's you can't—you can't, can't hear, hear the motorway. No. Beautiful. Right, so we're right at the entrance, and this. Oh, yeah. we're going to go round. Oh, yeah, going, I'm okay. going to. Oh, I'm taking around so, the churchyard. So it's too sunny to go inside. It's going to be a bit windy around here, but we will. Because oh, yeah. we're quite exposed. That's the thing. We're on a hilltop. Oh, look at this! Just a, just a cross on a discreet slab of. So what, what we've got here uh, tucked away is a fun little bit of Old Beyond Seven history because you wouldn't notice. So we, we've got this coffin, tomb, sort of coffin shape with a Quite with a low. Cross. It's like it's one of low. those vaults, but yeah, yeah. quite sort of but had its smaller. It's not off, quite yeah. such a lot of money's been spent on it. Yeah. And round the edge, it's got lead lettering, yeah. uh, much of which has fallen off. So... If you were just walking through this, you would never spot this. But the person buried here came from Russia. Oh, yes, the words Russia, born in Russia. Does it say born yes, in Russia? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So he's from Dorat uh, in Russia. And the story goes that he was um, a Russian, Russian nobility. Uh, Russian nobility, okay. And he came on a boat, turned up out of the blue, uh, in the tiny little estuary there, 
and stayed at the Anchor Inn. This is sort of in Aldbury. Uh, in Aldbury. Uh, for a while and he ended up marrying quite a wealthy girl actually and ended up renting Thornbury Hall. Now they haven't managed to find out much about him so so his name was George Joseph Denisov Strom uh, and they wonder if he left Russia after the, the Decemberist revolt of 1825. Oh right so which, this is really old so yeah. we're not talking 20th century. No, this oh no 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 this is really old and uh, he died 1876. Yes, it's uh, just a six on the Yeah, you can just, yeah. yeah, you have to put your fingers over the gaps to be yeah, able to yeah. see what's said, see seven, which yeah, is, yeah. is really, um, you know, and it, it's wonderful. You wouldn't know that was there. Here's this little person, you know, this person from Russia yeah. who has came over by boat and ended up at Albury on Severn. Um, what he brought with him, I don't know, because he must have had enough to end up renting. He, I don't think he owned Thornby Hall, but he was certainly um, oh, what a stayed tale. there. He did well. He landed. He landed. He, he landed, and what he thought of here, who knows? Well, he's anchored here for good now, but um, <laughs> wonderful. He certainly is. And there's these sort of lichen-encrusted crosses and tombs everywhere. But that just shows what you said there, pays to spend a bit of time... Um, having a look at these things and, and just really having a little trying to piece together some of these stories and the other thing i love to do uh, i i love looking at the sort of family names and then you get a feel robert cumley yes so yeah. lots as you walk around there's quite a few cumleys he had a cumley wife yes wife of the above he there's, called his son robert there's no shortage of of cumleys around here yeah. so she outlived him she almost outlived her son he died two years after she died. And here is, uh, so we've got a lovely little poem here. So this is 1812. Uh, Death is the common fate of all. He... <laughs> oh, I can't. It is hard to read. Yeah. He spareth. Neither. Neither. Great nor small. The old. The old, the young, the rich and poor. He hath them all. <laughs> through mm. the door. Through the door. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but yes, I mean, it's all wonderful. Um, oh, it goes on, doesn't use it? Use no delay. Uh, and prepare to die for time. time is short and swiftly flies wow yeah well don't miss out on this church and churchyard that's <laughs> <laughs> don't miss out that's on the country file podcast yeah, yeah. <laughs> no it that's is quite a, well he was only 28 this one yes yes um so and would have been you know could well have been the air you know that you'd be the yeah. Cumley family expecting him to be the sort of next one and something's taking him off and um, and there's these lovely decorations in the corner I mean just the more you look at these tombs you've really opened my eyes up because I've been looking at all the insects and things but there's <laughs> just as many absolutely I mean this one has a fantastic view um, <laughs> yes Ruth Taylor, Ruth Taylor wonderful view 1903 late of Olverston which is a village near here 1903 now that is a tomb with a 
Tomb of the View. Tomb of the View, oh, the best view. You've been waiting for that one. I know. But you can also see how people. Uh, she, they obviously thought they might be adding. Oh, they've left loads so of space. So you leave yeah. space, and then as other people come, uh -huh. and that never, never quite materialised. Is that little harbour down there, little marina? Yes, that is. Gosh, yeah, so that's, and you that's can Albury. walk down. Well, no, uh, I will like the Aldbury on Seven, the actual harbour. Yeah. That's the end. Uh, comes in actually a bit higher up, actually. Oh, and it's, oh, no, it comes does it still there. come in today? Well, no, no it's, a a bit, it's a bit of a creek, really, right. but you still have the anchor in next to it. Oh. And so one of the things we think of as our rural ancestors, we sort of imagine that they were sort of what we call ag labs, agricultural labourers. Mm. Uh, you know, they just all worked on farm, gathering the crops, milking the cows. Um, but of course, as well as things like blacksmiths, people like that that would support the community, you know, you had industry. Um, so here... They had brick making so that they could, because, From and the they, clay, and they had the, the clay. Yeah, because you could see the clay on the cliffs over there in Ost. Yeah. Absolutely. So it was really good for that. But also, uh, and this, you know, brick making was quite an early industry here. Uh, you had this harbour that you could then transport the bricks all over the place. So a lot yeah. of brick making. So you'll see that sort of, int uh, you know, stuff if you look into and the... And the harbour is all here. silted up now. And the harbour is oh, all that's silted interesting, up. But the anchor been... inn is still open. Good, good. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> now this one, I want to... Right, so we're descending. Still got a wonderful view, but we're right at the bottom of the churchyard. This is covered in these huge, great, crusty lichens. Yes. Um, in fact, most of the tombs have some crusty lichens. This is particularly good. Good, I'm liking the lichen. Well. This is John Thomas. I'm in memory of John Thomas. So I love this. Um, it's a great arched tomb. Tomb. Yeah. Well, well, I said I was literally. Yeah, you, know, you just walk along, and I'm afraid this is very childish of me. So John Thomas always. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One of the Always great, one stops of the you in your tracks. <laughs> you go, oh, John Thomas. In loving memory of John who, Thomas. Who, you know, bless him, who died. But um, you, what you, very hard to read here, but his uh, wife, Mary Ann, who fell asleep. This is one of the... Oh, uh, yeah. Husband died, but she, she just fell asleep. Yeah. And um, what I love is after her name, it said, uh, she hath done what she could. <laughs> How generous. Which I thought was... I, I thought it was such a sort of, um, she hath done what she could, yeah. <laughs> sounded sort me, of... Mealy-mouthed. Me, like. so, rather mealy-mouthed. And again, very hard to see here. But um, no, no, this is, so this is her son, Edwin Thomas, and he fell in France, 1916. Oh, so, and I, I can't him... but not the Edward Thomas. Edwin. Edwin Thomas. Oh, Edwin Thomas. Edwin, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have to scratch off all this lichen it's really hard and it's great that you know people oh, have goodness. recorded these names so you've, so father so you, mother and she son. died uh, she died in the 20s but what I, I thought this is bringing in the family history here I felt a bit sorry for Mary Ann Thomas being remembered as someone who did what she did what she could but um, so she died in uh, 1925 so I thought well I'll look her up on the 1911 census. Oh, well so I've, I've got that here. Uh, we're going to do a little it. tribute to Mary Ann Thomas. Yeah. So in 1911, obviously she's a widow and she's living with her daughter, Kate, who has married someone called Hector Knapp, who is a fisherman in Oldbury on Seven. 
so they're looking after her in 1911. So I thought, well, let's find her in 1901. So, of course, we do our census every 10 years, and that's been uh, going on for quite a while. So as family historians, you can use the census. It's great to find people out. Again, Mary Ann Thomas, she's still living with her sister, Kate, um, and his husband, who's a, uh, a fisherman, and it says supported by family. So that was, they were... She was living with her sister. Her daughter. Her, her, daughter, her daughter. Sorry. Yeah. Her daughter. So she's living with her, with her daughter. Her uh, so I can go back, absolutely, I can go back another 10 back years. 1891. So her husband is still alive at this point and he's Tom, a house Tom's. decorator. Okay. And they're living in Alverston, which is, is nearby. Um, but she was born and she, she marks that she was born here. Um, and they've got a son, Frederick, who is a painter, a son, Hubert, who's a tailor, daughter, Kate, who she ends up living with at school, and Edwin, who we know died in 1916, is a scholar. And only Edwin is mentioned here. The others have made their own lives and uh, uh, their own families. Buried elsewhere. Yeah, and buried elsewhere. And then 1881, we can go another 10 years back. Uh, and what I loved here, they're in Old Beyond Seven, so people moved about, yeah. you know, you didn't just, so they're back in Old Beyond Seven, or they're in Old Beyond Seven, and husband is a painter, and Mary Ann is a shopkeeper, so she's yeah. done what she can, she was the shopkeeper in Old Beyond Seven, which I feel this, the little, yeah, you know, it yeah, didn't yeah. quite, you know, she did her bit. bit mean, I, I, I wondered about that, and 1871 again, they're there, and it goes all the way back, and then eventually, you know, you can find her baptism record. And this is in Oldbury. This is uh, a page from the Oldbury Parish Register. So that'll be, the, yeah. yeah, that'll be the parish register. This is all online. Oh, really? So all the, uh, a lot of the Gloucestershire parish registers have been digitised there on Ancestry. Um, uh, and, you know, so it's much easier now. This is why family, you can come to a you know a, a graveyard and you can look people up I, I did this you know it took me an hour to just find all the things and, and and find her and here you know here she is so she's Marianne Allen at this point born in Aldbury uh, and her father is a, a waterman right so he probably operated out of the little yeah harbour in and he would have well, yeah absolutely that's what he would have been doing and you look at the church thing, and right at the top of the page look there's a comely we looked at the rich Cumleys with their huge faults, yeah. but when it comes to coming to church and being baptised, the they are all the same, and they are all. And you see these family names repeating: yeah. the Day family, the Allen family, it's all the locals. That the, this rather mealy-mouthed inscription would yeah. obviously. You know, her husband died before her, yes. so he didn't write that. Yes, it must have been her children. Yes. Yeah, she did what she could. She did what she could. She wasn't <laughs> great. <laughs> oh, but, she was a busy shopkeeper. But she was a busy shopkeeper. Yeah. Oh, well, that, well, that's lovely. You begin to start to feel some of her story. And, uh, so we're going into the porch. And obviously, get that lovely echoey sound. No wind in here. And all oh, the parish notices. Yeah. Fresh flowers. And there's a flower identification chart in here. Um, which is lovely. So I love this. Uh, look out for glowworms. There's all this um, appreciation of the nature among the tombs. Absolutely. Life and death together. And then I always love the sound of ah. the wonderful church sort of knocker 
and turn it. Listen to that. Can you get in? Oh, yes, excellent. So we're entering St. Arundel's. It feels a lot bigger than it looks from the outside. I'll just close the door. So, so just massive ironwork on the door. And it's all quite modern inside. Modern pews and... Well, late Victorian. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, yes. I would well, say. Very well kept then. Yes. I think all the pews I'm used to are sort of carved with naughty kids' initials. <laughs> so what, what can we... And they share this space now with other groups worshipping, you know, so it's a community space, I suppose you could say. Right. But it's quite simple, isn't it? There's very yeah. few adornments, but it's very peaceful. Churches always are. Yeah. And I think a lot of people feel uncomfortable, they feel they're not allowed, but if a church is unlocked, they are saying, you know, come in here for some peace and quiet. If they don't want you there, they lock the door. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And I think, you know, it can be a real haven, and a, just a quiet spot. Isn't it? And the light coming through these very simple stained glass windows, I mean, they're not, it's only just the borders are, are stained. Uh, and with this, these views all around, it is, it's fantastic. You can shelter from the rain if it's, I mean, we've yeah, got a beautifully I, sunny day, but... Um, well, I think on a walk, this sort of having this moment of peace or a bit I of rest so. and reflection. And as is you this, said, amazing is, it, is this St. Arilda? So here she is, uh, in a stained glass. She has a long quill. That's so, is yes, it? that's her palm of sainthood. Oh, okay. So if all saints... One of the little perks of being a saint is you get to hold a palm. Right, so that marks you out as a saint. That marks you out, and you can see where her head was stuck back on after it was she was beheaded by the bad monkeyus, a tyrant. Saint Arold, virgin, martyred at Kington uh, uh, upon Thornbury by one monkeyus, a tyrant, who cut off her head because she would not consent to lie with him. Oh my goodness. Monkey. Uh, monkey. Monkey. Sounds sort of Roman. Roman. Could it be Roman? Yeah, oh, Roman. Uh, yes, possibly. So she might be a very. Saxon, yes. Yeah, very early Saxon. Raped by a baddie. Or, yeah. or not. Killed, because... killed by a monkey. Well, we'll yes. have to look up monkeys. <laughs> and, and go and dance on his grave. <laughs> but yes, rather lovely. Beautiful. Beautiful. And then the view beyond this, obviously back over the estuary, back over these little farms and um, the bridge. The silence. We should just have a minute sort of. That is the silence of the church. That's just beautiful. So that gentle rippling is a stream flowing out of Aldbury on Severn, right by the Anchor Inn that you mentioned earlier. That's right. So, you know, this it's hard to imagine now that the that boats would have come in here, have loaded up from the brickworks and taken bricks out. This is just extraordinary. Obviously, it's sorted up and well, it's only six feet wide, it's uh, <laughs> two meters wide at best, this yeah. creek now, and um, jackdaws overhead. So this, this, is, this is the way in, and this would have been a port where yeah. we're standing now, which is yeah. now, there's a pub and a car park, and a very pretty little village of Aldbury-on-Seven. 
I'm going to wander down and have a a well-earned coffee at the village community shop. Community shop. Yes. What what you've opened my eyes up to is just looking a bit closer at the human sort of traces. Obviously, a graveyard is. Do you know, I think one of the reasons I got into family history was because I love stories. I I love stories and every family has them and people think they haven't because they haven't looked into it. But I can tell you, give me any family and I can find, you know, astonishing stories. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share a graveyard with you. So few people do. (laughs) Let's go graveyarding again sometime. (laughs) And that was the most delightful way to finish probably one of the loveliest autumn days I've ever had. And I'm delighted to say that Sarah Williams joins us in the podcast studio. Sarah, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Well, and for joining our usual podcast team of Jack and Hannah, without whom this podcast would be lying on the cutting room floor. Hello. Sarah, firstly, I just want to say thank you for opening my eyes to the stories, the human stories hidden in plain sight around, you know, just walking in a churchyard and in the village. Um, Really wonderful day. Is that, are you a a regular churchyard? (laughs) Haunter. Uh, Haunter, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Have you been out since? Well, absolutely. I, I, um, I mean, just generally, a lot of walks will involve you ending up near a village um, with a with a churchyard. Although the walk I did at the weekend, and it was just such glorious weather, I, I, I'd be amazed if anyone didn't go for a walk this week. Uh, the past weekend we had, we went to um, Sands Bay, Sand Bay Beach, which is just north of Western Supermare. So. Um, it's a sort of a hidden gem and I absolutely love it. It's really calm and it's got these amazing um, reed beds. So you get fantastic birds and a, a wonderful walk up to a peninsula, you know, that rises up. I don't know if you've ever been to Breen Down. It's similar to that, but but sort of less popular, which I quite like. So, you know, we went up and just the sunshine and the, and the, the, the temperature just did not feel like October. And it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. I did, I did sort of peer over to a, an old medieval priory, Woodspring Priory is, was the remains of sort of tucked away down in the valley near there. So I did, you know, a bit of bit of sort of communing with with dead people. <laughs> well uh, <laughs> As I tend and, that's, to. and that's exactly why we've got you on. <laughs> I'd love you to tell us a bit more about your day job, editor of Who Do You Think You Are magazine, because that is a sort of communing with the past and with um those who've died and gone before us. I love working with I love working in family history and People I meet, you know, my readers are all people wanting to find out more about their past for all sorts of reasons. I mean, it's just a great hobby for starters. Anyone who likes a jigsaw puzzle is going to love family history because you're piecing all these little pieces together. But it can also have quite a surprising effect, making you feel very grounded, actually. I think family historians tend to have a really good sense of, um, you know, where they have come from and what that means so that, you know, and that sense of progression of, you know, I I just think that 
it's um, a very interesting hobby. And so what I do is we create a magazine that just gives people tips on how to do that research and explains some of the records that are going online and how to use them and how to get the most of them and also how to interpret them so that you're not just, you know, like on our walk, you're not just looking at a gravestone. You're thinking, what does that mean? And, and you know, what's the biggest story behind this? I think that's really interesting because, I mean, I've never really dug into my family's history uh, but I, I guess because it seems quite daunting and possibly would end up quite quickly in an Irish bog somewhere in, <laughs> in the west, west of Ireland. So um, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't know where to start. So sort of picking up your magazine would give me the sort of starting, the, the toolkit to start un, unravelling this detective story. Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, our website, you can just, uh, we've got lots of tutorials online um, and we have a weekly newsletter, so any sort of new record releases that come out. I know whenever I say record releases, it sounds, like, <laughs> sounds yeah. like I work in a completely different industry. But no, our record releases are things like, you know, graveyard uh, names and things like that. We're like, woohoo, <laughs> very exciting. We love it. But yeah, no, there's, there's so much exciting stuff. And, you know, I think one of the great things about, um, you know, it is an internet hobby now, really. I mean, we still go to archives and there's still a lot of amazing stuff in the archives. But what's opening that up? Is it becoming, is it being digitised? And I think I think that's going to really transform it so that it's not just, um, you know, in the past, people who knew their family history tended to be quite posh. <laughs> that was it. If you could go back to the sort of 16th century, 17th century, you were probably sort of landed gentry and you've had that in your written out. And now with more and more stuff being digitised, there's some fascinating records. You know, we've just been doing something about the Civil War petitions that came out after the English Civil War. So we're talking 1600s here. And in the past, if you had someone involved in, in the English Civil War that you knew about in your family history, it was probably because they were some general, you know, they were someone really high up in, in, um, in the army. But now, you know, they're finding tucked away in quarter sessions records in the archives, all these petitions that really ordinary people sent in saying, I need some money because my husband was killed fighting for the king or fighting for parliament. And I've got these are my children. And then you get other ones that describing how someone died saying, look, his widow is, is due some money because I was there when he died and his last words were this, you know, wonderful stuff. And that's sort of material is being indexed and digitized. So, you know, you, there's a lot of stuff out there. And of course, the usual things which are parish records and, and census records. So, so people have known about these things, um, but it's only really became become more accessible because it's been digitised. Is that what you're saying? Yes. I mean, I mean the, really, the really big thing is, is newspapers. So in the past, the advice, when I launched the magazine, in 2007, so I've been doing this for quite a while, um, you know, we would say if you wanted to go to an archive and find your ancestors in newspapers, I mean, you can't just go through every newspaper on the off chance. You tended to look for a birth announcement, marriage announcement or an obituary. So you're looking for specific things. But now they've been digitised and they use this really clever sort of optical, optical character recognition, OCR, and uh, they can read millions of pages of newspapers all at once. So you now can search newspapers and find out things that you weren't expecting to find. You know, 
know, you can just put in a name and find, and it's all the local papers. So it's, you know, village cricket matches, but it's also, you know, people who've been in a fray or, you know, people who've joined a committee, <laughs> all sorts of stuff you can find. And it's, it's quite lovely. And it's just showing the ordinary people getting on with their ordinary lives. And they sometimes lead you on to other things like criminal records. Yeah, that's what I'd be afraid of. I think <laughs> best, best, best not go searching down that route. Um, Hannah and Jack, have you ever searched into your family records, uh, into your pasts? Um, I know that my nana did a bit of searching a little while ago, and she found out that our side of the family, we used to have castles in Ireland. Um, and when the man who doesn't like mince pies came into power, he gave them all to his mates. Cromwell. Cromwell. That's the one. I yes. was going to say, yeah, we're yeah. back to English Civil War time. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, I wonder if your ancestors bossed about my ancestors. Yeah. I was wondering if your bog was yeah. at the bottom and of that so castle. so the cycle continues. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nothing's changed. Um, <laughs> I might lead a rebellion. Who's, who's with me, Jack? Uh, Jack, how about you? What are, is the, Do the Batemans have uh, Well, I'm me and my mum had a little look back through our family history. There wasn't anything too exciting, no riches or anything to find. There was one nice story there that one of our great, like free time great grandparents met whilst they were working in a hotel in Bath, which was quite a nice thing to find out. I think one guy uh, ran a lemonade factory. That's cool. I How mean, so there's some cool little, much. Well, some cool little nuggets, but uh, <laughs> yeah, little nuggets. No, no related to the Queen or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you don't have to have ancestors be descended from royalty to have an interesting family history. <laughs> I, I did discover there was. I've got an ancestor called Cornelius Collins who went from Ireland to America, and wrote, apparently rode with Buffalo Bill. But um, that's that's about it. Of the excitement, that's and then good. it's all back to the deep rural mists of time where little is recorded. Um, how fascinating! And also, I mean, it's like we planned it. But we're this we're releasing this podcast at the same time that there's a new series of Who Do You Think You Are coming out. And I am hoping, Sarah, that you can tell us a little bit about that. Well, yes, it's it it's they've had quite a time trying to film these episodes, as you can imagine, with lockdown. So the last series was was just the, you know, the four episodes, whatever, that they had managed to film before lockdown. And now these are the, some completed. So there's not as much overseas travel as there would normally be. And on the whole, it's a younger demographic doing it, um, you know, who are happy to do the filming. But there will be Judy Dench. So um, that's very exciting. So she'll be um, we don't want to miss that. She she heads back to Denmark and a little a little Hamlet connection. So mm. that's all rather lovely. <laughs> Judy, Judy, you're not Judy. We would really like to have her in the podcast if we could. Um, do you think she'd join us? <laughs> not after that pun. <laughs> Can I make that pun again? So, so we've got the great Judy Dench. Who else is appearing in the new series? Oh, yeah, we've got, um, well, there was Josh Widdicombe, so, who's already will have had his episode has aired um, and he does go back to English Civil War so there's quite a nice story there and then we'll have Judy Dench we've got uh, Joe Sugg who's a YouTuber um, Alex Scott who heads off to she's the footballer and presenter um, she heads off to Jamaica we've got Ed Balls he, he heads off to Norwich <laughs> <laughs> Exciting awesome. stuff. So, um, yeah, lots of exciting stories. And uh, Pixie Lot, 
she has, uh, I think in her episode, they said they've never seen so many workhouse records connected to one family. So it's the Irish in London. And that's mm. um, going to be, get your hankies out for that one, I think. But they survive, you know, they get through and, and Pixie Lot is evidence of that. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's going to be, it's going to have that usual mix of, um, you know, people discovering they're descended from royalty and people finding actually they're descended from family who survived incredibly difficult times. And there'll also be the usual um trips to churchyards that is often happens in in episodes of who do you think you are and i think that's you know one of the things where people get that chance to stand there at someone's final resting place and it's a nice full stop to a journey that that people go on to say and this this is the end you know you found out about this person and and in a way they they can come alive in these stories and then, like we did, you know, you you can go to a churchyard and see that final resting place. It was I find it fascinating that the graves could also could be an extension of that story. You could tell how the person had died and when the person had died by how the grave looked. Like being able to decipher a graveyard in that way must be must be like reading a book for you. <laughs> it is. It's it is really interesting, and I mean things that. We didn't get a chance to see going around that graveyard. There's another one with a lighthouse because the guy was a lighthouse. So, you know, people like to leave these little messages behind because it's someone really important to them and their life was really important and it's it's a way of marking that. And, you know, it's lovely that relationships are also captured on these um, uh, gravestones and I really love that as well. Yeah, you're a grave whisperer. <laughs> I think it's what we, we should call it. But I, I I think, I mean, that just that comment on that final gravestone, she was it she did her best. She tried her best. She did her best. She did what she, she did what, could. She did what she could. Yeah. And you know, one of the things just... I really wanted uh, to say, I had sort of, you know, in the whole excitement of it, I had failed to go back that I was following her right back in the census. And um, there was an earlier census which showed at 12, and this is what happened at 12 in those days, she was sent out to be um, a, a, a servant in someone's house. So she was just sent out to be a servant. And I suddenly realised that 10 years on, so at 12 she's a servant, 10 years on she's married to a painter, decorator. And I sort of think, well, do you know, I wonder how she met him. And he'd obviously would have gone to to the house at some point and they met that way. And I thought she did what she could there as well. <laughs> there she yeah. was. Without many prospects, very difficult. You'd be sort of apprenticed out. And at 12, with uh, no, you weren't given a salary. You were just given bed and board and expected to learn. You know, they called it an apprenticeship. It was not. But you were expected to sort of learn the skills of, of being a housewife and often treated quite badly. Although she stayed local, so I suspect that she would have been protected by the community a bit and they probably wasn't treated too badly, but it was a difficult life. I sort of am expecting you to go back to that gravestone with a chisel on something and say... I was going to clean she, up. It she, did need or, to clean or, up. Or, or just put at the end, she did pretty darn well. <laughs> and I think that would have been a nice sort of final, final act. But um, no, thank you. That's so really, it's so interesting. And I'm definitely, you know, I don't normally hang around in graveyards, as I think I admitted to you, but um, certainly it's going to encourage me to 
to stoop amongst the stones and see what tales can be found because it's got those lots broken of great little churchyards. And Sarah, what's the name of your website? We know the name of your magazine. So what, what's the web address well, for people to go and hunt down more <laughs> It's info? not hard to find, but it is. you can just Google it, but it's whodoyouthinkyouaremagazine.com. <laughs> oh, we don't like to leave any stone unturned. <laughs> it's quite long. but We've got just a little bit of time to do a bit of post-bag digging. Yeah, you're having a deep delve this this week. I've had a deep dive again. I've dived in and I've got another one. And it's linked back to our recurring theme that it seems to be this series of the mystery black cats. And uh, this a letter is from Papa Razzi. Um, I, think, <laughs> I think that's a fake name. Not a, uh, but they've written in to say... They are not actual big cats, they're disguises that the enemy, aka the dark side, uses to avoid detection, in the same league as UFOs, ghosts and Bigfoot, best described by this Star Trek saying, it's life, Jim, but not as we know it. Having said the above, many years ago my family of five stopped off and wandered through the woodland in the West Country. I walked off with our youngest daughter and got slightly lost, when suddenly I could swear we both heard the roar of a big cat. We ran like hell and were glad to see our parked car in the distance and all of us jumped in. We drove away from Bodmin Moor ASAP. <laughs> right. Okay, yeah. Thanks, paparazzi, for uh, that um, really interesting insight into uh, into you, really. Um, but yeah, that's um, look, everyone has their theories. That's the most outlandish we've had so far. Um, please keep them coming. We would like to hear more sort of eyewitness sightings of mystery big cats in the countryside or any other mystery animals that you may have come across. And it's definitely something we will come out and do a podcast on if we think it's a good one. So do send them to me, uh, my email address, editor at countryfile.com and love to hear your thoughts and stories. Hannah, how about you? Well, from the ridiculous to the sublime. There's nothing ridiculous about my letter. (laughs) I have a letter here from Fiona Doonan. She says, just to let you know that I absolutely love the podcasts. The ultimate was the recent one from my owner. I live in rural West Wales, but hope that the podcasts bring a breath of country air to people living in urban settings. Thank you, Fiona. That's lovely to hear and really glad that you're enjoying the podcast. We always re- it always cheers us up when we get a nice positive feedback like that. So also, if you have enjoyed the podcast, do leave likes and feedback on whichever podcast provider you use. It- really helps us um and that's about it for the podcast this week i do though have a little country joke for you it is an animal walks into a bar joke a duck walks into a bar and orders a pint of beer and the barman says oh that'll be 10 pounds please mate and the duck sort of wipes his brow pays up and uh drinks the pint a guy standing beside me at the bar goes Blimey, it's a talking duck. We don't get many of them in here. And the duck says, not surprised at £10 a pint. No, no, please, no. (laughs) Please. I thought it was going to be like, put it on the bill, but um, (laughs) it went somewhere entirely different. I know, I know. I I was expecting bill for the whole time. Yeah, exactly. No, and I'm glad to have have thoughted your... um, (laughs) Your, yes, your jokes always go off in uh, slightly unexpected. It's excellent, excellent. No. Uh, and on that happy note, <laughs> uh, it's time to say goodbye. Thanks so much for listening. 
and join us next week where we're off again into the countryside for another podcast adventure. <laughs>